Welcome back to the Income School YouTube podcast. This is episode three. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Nate here again. I'm realizing that I have not established any fun traditions for this podcast yet, it being so new. So if you're listening to this and there are any fun traditions you want to add into this podcast, by all means, let me know in the Project 24 community here. Okay, so today I have some fun stuff to talk about. Don't I always? I'm, I'm very excited about YouTube, obviously, but this one this, I'm realizing, is perhaps more on top of people's minds than I may have even realized. And it's outlined probably best in a question in the Project 24 community. This is from um, member AMA Project 24. And the question is about uh, search analysis or ideation. And the question was basically, how do you go about doing it? Um, and they make a very good point saying, hey, look, I've watched through the old course, the new course, and in in a lot of ways, it boils down to your search analysis on YouTube being, hey, let's just search things and find cracks. You know, let's let's find the spaces that aren't being answered very well. And traditionally, what we have taught thus far has been, okay, you know it's a good idea for a searchable video if you find it via searching and has a lot of views relative to how many subscribers the channel has. And that still holds true. That still holds true here. But I've I I got to thinking about this. I got to thinking, what's the real question here? It's we want to validate an idea. We want to know if that video is a good idea for a video. And Search analysis, the whole idea there is what videos should I be making and how do I know if they're a good idea for a video? So there are a few ways that I have seen to be most effective for validating video ideas. The first one is finding search cracks, especially if you have a smaller channel. Uh, if you don't have a sizable audience, I, I can't give a hard, fast rule here, but if it were something like, uh, at least a uh, thousand views, baseline views on any given vi video that you publish. If it's below that, then search cracks, like finding searches for a smaller um, audience is still a very valid way of doing it. But what I'm seeing more and more is, well, it, it's competitive. Search is competitive and it's not necessarily the most, the best way to build a channel because if people may find it, they may find your video and they may watch your video and you may get a lot of views from that and a few subscribers may trickle through. But overall, viewer behavior, according to what I am seeing, is that it, it can be done to, to convert those people into regular viewers or regular, yeah, regular viewers on your channel, but it tends to be a bit more tough. So if that's the only way that we're attracting new audience, it can be hard to build the baseline of views. So this, the search cracks is still valuable. I'm not invalidating it at all. But if what about other ways to know if an idea is good or not? And I'm, I'm putting that on top of this search analysis or ideation. Um, for me, myself, I don't regularly think about it as search analysis. I think about it as understanding the industry on YouTube because when I get to know the industry on YouTube really well, I start to see that there are certain ideas that 
are successful over and over again. So that leads me to the second one. The second, I guess, best way to validate a video idea, get so, so familiar with your industry that you start to see patterns. You want to know for the competitors that you are drafting in your industry and uh, just all of the content online, about on YouTube, I should say, about your niche, whatever your top, your channel is about, you want to get a sense of the ideas that work over and over and over again. And the funny thing here is it's not that you're going to make, it's not that that's an immediately a good video or that you're going to make a, a repetition of that exact same video. It's that for some reason, that type of video is successful repeatedly. So there's a pretty good chance that if you find that type of video being successful repeatedly, that if you make your own variation on it, it will be at least mildly successful on your channel. So this is a bit of drafting. It's a bit of industry audit. It's a bit of just understanding the industry uh, for your niche on YouTube. So how would you go about finding those? One is the more you watch a lot of those. Oh, I just realized. I hope that that sound doesn't come through. <laughs> the AC just turned on and it's been really noisy in this building. So hopefully that's not too distracting for you guys. Okay, so um, how, you, how do you go about doing this? It's about, under, it's, it's about watching a lot of videos. So you get your top five, 10 channels and comb through their videos. Watch the videos, look at the video titles, the topics of the videos. What you're looking for are the ideas that are repeatable. And it's not stealing their ideas, it's the, the creative collaboration on YouTube because they can watch your channel and the other channel. They can watch the other channel and your channel. And so uh, understanding what types of videos work well on other channels is a very solid place to start for your own, I guess, search analysis. It's not search analysis at this point, it's more ideation, coming up with validating good video ideas. That is probably one of the top ways that I come up with ideas for videos is understanding the lay of the land and testing out my own variations of what is already out there. Okay, so that's the second way. We got the search, finding search cracks, we got the industry ideas that work already. And then the third way is topic clusters. This is one that I'm experimenting with more on YouTube because YouTube can have, when I picture the type of profile that YouTube has on an individual audience member. You get, when you get, when you combine a bunch of audience members together, that is an audience for a channel. That's a group, an umbrella of people that have similar interests. But when I think of an individual viewer on YouTube, what kinds of data would they have on that viewer? They would know general topics that they like, but also the delivery of the topics that they like. I'm gonna give an example. Um, if you're in a, uh, I have this conversation a lot. Uh, if you're in, say, the the mom vlogging niche, that is actually a niche, <laughs> and and so let's say you're in that space, and you want to look for ideas within that space. Now, they the 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 niche. I, I I'm realizing I'm interchanging niche and niche here. I got to stick with one niche. Okay, I'm gonna stick with niche here. So the niche is moms, let's say they like watching t videos about, they like watching these channels that they share what they eat in the day. They share uh, that what they uh, prepared meal prep with me, clean the house with me. 
uh, and maybe morning routine. There's a lot of these types of videos that they like to watch. Uh, and, and no more is this more apparent, this concept I'm describing of topic clusters than in the mom blogging space from my experience. Because you watch a video about meal prep, okay? That's a type of video. But then what happens in viewer behavior, the individual, the data points on the individual viewers is they like to watch meal prep videos, videos about meal prep, okay? And so what YouTube does, if you are not familiar with this, next time you get on YouTube, look for this. What YouTube does is when you get on YouTube, it's, I think, I'm pretty sure it's on desktop, mobile, and on TV, they'll, you'll, you can be scrolling through the homepage and they will have a list of it's a uh, horizontal list of ideas or topic clusters. I'm calling them topic clusters here. And they may look like grocery hauls. Uh, they may look like meal prep videos. They may look like that type of thing. And what I'm seeing is viewers, particularly some niches more than other niches, will just, they'll just binge watch a similar video type like meal prep videos. Another really really good example is uh, grocery hauls. If you can click on that grocery haul, I guess, topic cluster that YouTube offers you, it's based on your previous watch history. But if you've watched some of those, they'll have it as a suggestion. And you can click on that and voila, all the videos that YouTube has classified as grocery hauls based on the content, their AI reading the video can show up for you. Why is this important to know? Because I have a strong suspicion that so many of, at least in the mom vlog space, and it applies to a lot of different spaces, but I'll just use the mom vlogger space. Many, many, many of the channels that are found there are found because of this concept of topic cluster or video type cluster. So the reason I even, I, I guess the reason I even say this is, let's say you got a smaller channel and you, you sure you know the types of videos what I, I would identify the the topic or video type clusters that you want to do on an ongoing basis that already have an audience around them. I hope this is making sense to you guys. This is a concept that when you you tap into these these topic or video type clusters and you're tapping in to a viewer behavior. So the people who will binge watch grocery haul videos, if you also make a grocery haul video, it's much more likely to show up. And it's a form of, I would say, a form of what we traditionally think of as search analysis, except it's these, these uh, video type clusters so that when they watch, maybe uh, they, they click on that. It's a grocery haul, almost like a YouTube made playlist. It's a grocery haul, YouTube made playlist. And let's say the first video is by a big YouTuber and they watch it. The next video is by a, you know, a mid-sized YouTuber. It's kind of random how that goes. But then your video comes up because YouTube knows, hey, well, this viewer has liked these other video types in this topic or a type cluster. Then, well, well, let's try showing this to them also because the behavior is heading in the binge watching of topics or clusters of ideas or video types. I hope that's making sense for you. So those are the three ways that I'm seeing work really well as expanding on the idea of search analysis. Okay, the next topic I wanted to cover had to do with the wagon wheel strategy. If I bring it up here, uh, there was a question by Penny underscore Pauline 
the, her question was about the YouTuber wagon wheel strategy. And it's basically, how, how do you sequence publishing those videos? Is the concept of the wagon wheel is you have one hub or webinar bigger video and you have a lot of spoke videos that lead to that one video. It increases watch time, it creates uh, viewer loyalty, a lot of benefits of it, right? So what if you have multiple videos but you haven't yet published a video that you want to lead to from another video? So that's the basic how I'm understanding this question here. One is, and this was mentioned in the comments replies to that video, which is great. One is you publish the hub first, right? You, you publish your big video first, and then you, after that, you publish a variety of videos that are related to that video. And at the end of those videos, you lead them to the primary video. That is one approach to it. However, there are other ways that I'm seeing be very successful in the approach. The similar concept, but it, it, it's the similar concept of keep people watching more than one video on your channel, but the approach is different. So we've got the hub first, point to them, multiple other. The, the second one is what I call video chains. This is where you create a series of videos and you can pre-plan this. In fact, it's very effective when you pre-plan this that starts with one video. And then at the end of that video, you say, hey, and by the way, I'm gonna, I'm, this is part of a three-part series. And this is the next part in the series and you lead them to the next video. If you've published all three videos, it's easy, right? If you publish all three at once, that would be easy. However, a workaround is to say, hey, this is part of a three-part series. I, and just keep it minimal. You can say, hey, I haven't yet produced or published the other two videos, but when I do, it's gonna be right here. Until then, I'm gonna put another awesome video for you. That has worked very well. Uh, an alternate, An alternate to that is to say, hey, this is, this is the video you need to watch next. Or you can say something like, hey, this is part of a three-part series. The second part is here. Or uh, I'm trying to think how you would word it. So you can, what I'm trying to get to here is wording it in such a way that you can clip that part out later. <laughs> Post-editing, after you've published the second part in the series, for example, uh, you can clip out the, the verbiage so that it just says, hey, and you wanna watch this next video next. I think you're getting the concept here. And then likewise, in the second part, you lead them to the third part. The other advantage of doing this is that you can, even in post, reverse chain. So that was, if you're pre-planning a series of videos, you can do that, that's great. But then if you, in post, you say, you know what, this video is actually very related to another video on my channel. Choose a specific other channel, a similar, sorry, a specific other video, a similar topic. You say, hey, and by the way, if this video was helpful to you, I did another one top, talking about XYZ aspect of this topic that you're watching. You'll want to go check that out next. So what you're going for here, you can see why this is a variation on the, the hub and spoke model because it's, they watch one video, and then you want them to watch another video. And I have seen repeatedly, if you approach this correctly, you will create a natural chain of videos, which is a variation of the hub and spoke because YouTube sees, oh, you create a, the type of viewer that watches one video and then another video and then another video, and that's good. And if you do it effectively enough, you will get your video, the one you suggest to people, in the coveted up next spot. A lot of people will watch YouTube just on autoplay. As soon as a video plays, it ends. The next one will just automatically queue up and play for them. And you want, you can bet that you want your video to be the up next video. And this is a way to train that. 
Uh, the other thing I will add here is a good placement for these video chains is in an end screen, right, at the end of the video, but also the pinned comment. Extremely effective. I've seen that. Uh, I had one video on, on my channel go really big, and I said, you know what, I need a follow-up for this. I did a pinned comment, and immediately, it, leading to the follow-up video, and that next video got significant views, but also uh, became the up next video because I trained the algorithm that people who watch this video also want to watch this other video. Okay, the third way, is, is that cool? Okay, I, I feel like saying, hey, if you like that, give this video a boot, but <laughs> I'm on a podcast. <laughs> okay, anyway, if that's cool, hopefully that's cool for you so far. All right, the, the third thing is the uh, what I call evergreen seeding. And this is where you don't necessarily give specifics. I'm, I'm still on the topic of leading people to other videos. You don't necessarily give specifics on another video, but you do say, hey, this is a very similar video I made. You give some benefit aspect of this video and you're not giving specifics. And then just mention it will be up next. You should watch this video next. Um, that allows you to swap out your end screen video and your pin comment video later on. Crazy, huh? Uh, setting it so that your verbiage isn't specific, specific, but it is still, let's say you have, you, um, I'll just use my channel, for example, you're, you're doing a video about thumbnails and you say, hey, and, get, and by the way, I have, I created another video diving into more of the specifics, the nitty gritty of how to produce a thumbnail. And what I did there was I seeded another video, but that allows me in the future to do this evergreen seeding and swap out the end screen and the pinned comment to an updated video. This works especially well if you have a video that, that performs well, not that you know before publishing, but <laughs> if you have a video that performs well over time and you have this kind of uh, evergreen seeding in the video, um, you can swap out more recent videos because they find you off of a video that perfor that's performing well over time, but that video is going to age. And def you know, it's unavoidable that video is going to age. And so you want them to more recent content as well. So this is an excellent way to do that. The other way I have done, <laughs> this video will be published, but it's not published as of recording this, but it will be published on Channel Makers as um, when this podcast goes live. And that is, it's a video about the uh, six huge differences good between good and bad thumbnails. And what I did in that video is I preceded a hub video. Now you, you can go watch that video, see how I did that. The basic approach is, look, I am working on this cool next video. It's not up yet, but when I it is up, I'm going to put it right here. Until then, I'm going to put another really awesome video for you. I found that to be very successful. It's a pre-seed. It's basically pre-marketing for a hub video. Okay. The last thing I wanted to, moving uh, topics here, the last thing I wanted to talk about, just a little more general discussion, is uh, there's another thread by Lily YLL in the YouTube community, um, they're talking about uh, the, the topic is free product review agreement that restricts their upcoming content choices. So basically, a, a company uh, wanted to do an agreement with this creator where they would send a free product, but they had to sign an agreement that they would not do any other product review videos, that's at least how I'm understanding this, for at least three months. So they put a, some uh, barriers on it. And they're not paying for this agreement, but they're they just giving a free product and uh, doing affiliate commission. 
this is a great discussion in the community. Um, some very good points brought up by you um, responding to this. I wanted to add my own two cents here. This is in the realms of sponsored content. And it, receiving a free product is also a, a form of sponsored content or paid promotion, how YouTube classifies it. So here's the thing here. A point was brought up in this, in this um, thread that you don't want other people to dictate how you run your business. And I absolutely agree with that. And in fact, it's, it's your prerogative to decide what kinds of agreements you're going to go into on your own channel. So in this case, uh, I, let me just give some general guidelines as far as sponsorships. And this idea will be developed on further. And in fact, let me know in the community if you want this idea developed on further in, in the future. Um, but when it comes to sponsorships, here's how I see them being successful for a channel. First of all, step back. How do sponsorships work? They find your channel. They want, they, for some reason, I, often it's, it could be anybody in the company will reach out. And if they see some sort of overlap in your audience, typically that's how it works. This is if they're reaching out. Um, and they'll say, hey, I have a product that I want you to review. And, or a thing that I want you to talk about in a video. And that type of ask, they, so they reach out with a, an ask for you on, as the content creator. The ask could be something as simple as, hey, we will send you a free product and you make a video talking about it. It could be that. It could be, hey, we want to sponsor you for to talk about our product in your video. And then they give a few requirements for that sponsorship. Hey, it needs to be... Uh, at least uh, 60 seconds of the video, or some of them have a ratio of the video, at least 10% of the video, and it needs to be within the first half of the video. They'll give some requirements, and then it's up to you to decide, yeah, I, I want to accept this payment. That, that would be a direct sponsorship. Some do a combination. It's, hey, there, here's the product, and it will also get you an awesome affiliate rate for if you, um, if you sell any of the product, you put the link in the description. Uh, often when they reach out like that, the affiliate percentage is higher because it's not a general like uh, Amazon where you're getting what, like two, 3%, right? Uh, it, it typically, if they reach out and they say, hey, it's affiliate rate, it'll be more like, uh, I would say about 10 or so percent, um, sometimes more, sometimes less, but that is significantly better than if just a general Amazon. And another form, the last form I'll talk about here is they'll do product placements. Now this one, I haven't had nearly as much. I know some channels attract these much more, but on channel makers, for example, I haven't had, I only had one reach out and it was for a water bottle. And that's a, that's a sad story. <laughs> I'll come back to sometime. Uh, but they wanted to do a product placement where basically they wanted the product, they wanted an agreement for 10 videos where this product was visible in the videos. And then I would also have to put a link to the product in my description, as well as uh, the, oh, the product had to be visible for, I think, about 70% of the video, a link in the description. And then for three out of, I think it was three out of the 10 videos, they wanted an actual mention of the product within the video. Now, in this case, uh, the, the amount they proposed, I, it was way too low. I gave them a counter offer and they didn't like it. They proposed a slightly higher amount, <laughs> but only slightly, and it just wasn't going to work out. So those are the types of, um, I guess, paid promotion you can have on your videos. Now, for you as the channel maker, the, the person who runs your channel, it's your job to decide what kinds of products or services you want to be associated with. 
will it be fine with my audience? Will it enhance the viewer experience? Will it interrupt? Will it be too random? Will it not align with my channel values? Will it not be good for my audience values? These are the kinds of questions you need to be asking yourself. And then weigh each and every offer or outreach that you make for sponsored content against these things. For example, uh, I've there are a lot of, this was brought up in this thread also that I'm referencing in the, in the community. I, at least once a day, I will have a company reach out uh, asking me to review one of their products. It could be video lights, it could be uh, microphones, it could be a lot of different things. And I've basically said no to almost all of them uh, for a few reasons. At this point, current strategy on channel makers, uh, the, the one, it doesn't make sense with current strategy to just create a bunch of random one-off gear review videos. It just doesn't, doesn't fit the audience. The other is a lot of them are looking to give the product for free and that's it. And um, just does, that giving it for free without additional incentive isn't fitting my monetary targets, the, the goals that I have for the channel, and therefore doesn't really make sense. Um, and also, it's to just do a video just because they gave me a free product doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. And also, I guess I, I I'm, I'm talking in circles here. <laughs> the last thing was, if you have a your own product, if you have something that you are promoting on your channel, it can be really easy to st start diluting the outreach or the, the messaging that you're giving your audience. You can imagine the case on Channel Makers, it's Project 24. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to bring people into Project 24, right? So to do too many other things on the channel doesn't make sense. Too many other paid or sponsorship um, opportunities. Um, so th for that reason, a lot of it is being turned down at this point. <laughs> uh, now... There are a few opportunities that I am considering currently, and I mean, that will happen when it happens. The AC just turned on again. <laughs> I gotta get that fixed. Okay, so tying it back to you, is there a point, so you've got, you as the channel maker, you've got a, a point where you will decide yay or nay on each of these opportunities. In this case of this thread that I'm referencing, signing any sort of contract does not make sense unless the benefit is at least equal to you as the benefit to them. And as this thread played out, um, they decided, the original poster decided that it was just not worth it. They gave some pushback and they didn't have to sign a contract and they still got the product for free, which works out just fine. It works great. Um, so make sure you keep that in mind. Now, um, a word here for if you have a smaller channel or you are not getting outreach, you're not getting people reaching out to you to, to do products on your channel, you can, earlier than you think, you can reach out to other channels. I'm going to reference a video I did, oh, a while back now. I did an interview with uh, Switch and Click, a YouTube channel. They were part of uh, Project 24. And... What they did was, even when they were very small, I think of 100 subscribers, they started just reaching out to people because their topic was a very niche topic. It was about computer keyboards, and they knew that a group of people were very enthusiastic about that. And therefore, they knew early on they could start reaching out and saying, hey, do you want to, do you want to send me free product? And I'll review it on my channel. The channel was small enough. It made sense. And 
they just bypassed a lot of the assumptions that many people have about getting sponsored content on their videos. So I just wanted to challenge if you have any beliefs or, or ideas that, oh, you have to wait for a certain threshold to start reaching out, getting sponsored content. That's often not the case. And often if you create a sweet enough deal for a company, you, you do the outreach, you say, hey, look, all I'm asking is you give me the product for free and I will make a video about your product. Most companies would jump on that as long as their product isn't a high ticket product and, and you know, the cost versus the benefit, you know, outweighs it. But if you're in the, in a, in the realms of products that are, oh man, I would give it a range of $1,000 or less, this, isn't, this would be golden, golden. The other thing I will say for the, here for the strategy, that is a particular strategy for a sponsorship. The other thing I will say here is if you are wanting to create unbiased reviews, it is a factor to take into consideration that you may want to just purchase the product outright and then later on, if they want to sponsor future videos, then that's great. But starting off with, look, I gave the, I purchased it with my own money and I'm giving an unbiased review. That is a solid reason for, for not taking that approach. Okay, so what do we do about these three things? So first of all, the search analysis, look at your ideation, look at your how you come up with ideas differently. Use one of those three suggestions for coming up with the ideas on your videos. And the biggest thing I will say here is the better you know your industry, the better you will be at validating ideas before you're ever before they're ever published on YouTube. We have a massive advantage on YouTube because we can see publicly view counts. We can see a lot. We can see a lot of the data points that help us decide if a video is a good idea or not because other people have already done it. And the second thing is try different ways uh, of the hub and spoke approach. You can chain. You can do the hub and spoke. You can also do the evergreen seeding on your channel. So you create. You get into that coveted up next placement. And then the third thing with the sponsored videos, challenge any, any assumptions you have about when you can get sponsorships on your channel and make sure as you are evaluating which companies or products or services to go after that they are the types of products or services that match you and also your audience. So go do that and we'll see you next time. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but is not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.